Hello and welcome to the Iowa Hospital Association's podcast, Getting to Know Iowa Hospital Leaders. My name is Joa Hogan. Today we interview Ron Claver, CEO of Montgomery County Memorial Hospital. Ron has been the CEO of Montgomery County Memorial Hospital since March of 2021. He has been with Montgomery County Memorial Hospital since 1987 and has been the project manager during construction of the current building, chief information officer, director of campus development, and chief operating officer. Hello and welcome, Ron. You have been with Montgomery County Memorial Hospital for 34 years. What changes have you seen take place at the hospital? Well, Joe, thanks again. I, I appreciate being here. And uh, yes, I've been with the hospital for uh, over 33 years, almost 34. And that, that occurred over two separate employments. The, the first one was as an owner's representative during the construction of the new hospital, which was opened in late uh, 1989. I was asked to come back in early 1992, and I've been here ever since. It seems as though my entire time spent here at MCMH has been introducing change, whether through facility change, information technology change, or, or process change. I've had the privilege to work with some of the finest people in this business, and it's been a great honor and privilege. And can you tell us over those 34 years with your diverse positions, how has your leadership style changed, if it has? I think my leadership style has always been one of inclusion because to affect change in an organization and to have it be successful, it requires a great deal of collaboration, transformation, and being a servant to those who, whose lives were changing. I started leading groups of people uh, on the construction sites when I was in my early career as, a, as an engineer and uh, uh, project manager in, for a construction company. And in particular, I built water and wastewater treatment facilities. So. Leading people, uh, you know, to build something from nothing and introduce a lot of change was part of my early development. There was never a job that I wouldn't ask someone to do that I wasn't willing or able to do myself. And I mentioned wastewater treatment facilities. So uh, you can imagine uh, being up to, maybe you can't, but uh, I can tell you it's true, up to your waist in human feces. And that sends a message to your crew that you're willing to be right there with them. I've been down in those ditches. I've been down in those tanks. And, uh, yeah, it, it sends a message. And uh, uh, I learned a long time ago to be inclusive. What, sometimes you have to be down in the muck with people. And that's a lesson I learned on the farm. Um, you know, my upbringing was uh, in the farming. And you have to be neighborly to people. And uh, it's necessary to get the job done. So working in healthcare has been a great privilege of my life and uh, being asked to come back here and work for this organization was really an honor and I've uh, worked hard to give back to MCMH um, and I, I hope I've given back more than they've given me because it's, it's been quite quite a ride. For that ride you've had quite a many diverse roles within the hospital and how are these different roles how have they affected or prepared you for your current position or role of CEO? Sure. Great question. You know, f first of all, farm life teaches diversity. Uh, so I, I, I came by it naturally from my first memories, you know, as a farm kid. Uh, and I was the oldest of uh, several children. And so um, my folks relied on me to do lots of jobs. So you learn to be diversified uh, growing up on a farm. 
but then after that, my, my first degree was uh, as uh, in an associate's degree in civil engineering. And I went into, uh, you know, building construction and I traveled all across the nation. So I got lots of experiences in all types of buildings and different owners and uh, uh, different kinds of buildings. So coming to the hospital initially, my assignment was to oversee the construction of the new facility and working to oversee the hospital's interests. Along the way, I was put in charge of equipment purchases. And then ultimately, I helped uh, plan the move of the hospital from the old location to the new. So those relationships that I built during that whole process of building a brand new hospital from scratch set the stage for what came next. Uh, I had demonstrated an aptitude in IT during the building of the the facility. And uh, so ultimately I was asked to come back and uh, help do some more campus development, but also get into the development of the healthcare IT infrastructure. In the early nineties, there's not much in the way of healthcare IT. So I approached this from the same point of view as a builder, lay a good foundation, build a strong support structure, and then, uh, you know, install quality finishes to finish out the rooms and so forth. All the while you're doing that, there is change management going on. You know, healthcare IT has changed the way healthcare professionals dealt with information. And we all know information is vital to good quality healthcare and changing old ways of doing things requires adept skills at change management and ensuring quality. So like I said earlier, working with all these amazing professionals to change how they deal with information taught me a whole lot about their world. I had to learn their world so that I could bring change to um, how they dealt with information. So introducing change to them caused me to learn about healthcare. And then I was able to work under you know, a really fantastic leader. Uh, a lot of CEOs around uh, I will remember Alan Porin. He was our CEO here for nearly 40 years. He was a great mentor. He and CFO Rick Linen were really incredible to work with, and I've learned so much from both of them. The physicians, the nurses, the technicians, support staff, and our board all played a role in preparing me. So along the way, you know, I, I went back and got a degree in information technology and then a master's in health administration. That brings me today, and I'm, I'm just intensely grateful. So that diversity uh, has been a great joy in my life. I'd ask you about how healthcare IT has changed, but I'm afraid we don't have enough time within this podcast session. Right. Yeah. I've learned a lot from the great Perry Meyer here at IHA, where he tells stories about about when he started and how it is today. Perry is uh, the consummate professional when it comes to health IT and the transformation there. And he and I, you know, we go back to those early days. He and I are roughly the same age. And so, you know, we're getting started in this business and of health, health IT about the same time. So I admire him a great deal. As do I. Perry is, is just, he's the best. And uh, I, I look up to him and uh, always value my conversations with him. With those diverse roles, you, uh, you had referenced that you were many times ahead of uh, major construction projects. What's it like being a project manager for a major healthcare construction project? First of all, it's very exciting to witness firsthand the rising of something so important to a community as a new hospital. And in the case of the hospital here in Montgomery County, it was on the edge of town, there was nothing there. It was a, a bare piece of ground. And to see it come to completion is, is very exciting. 
And there's tremendous amount of things at stake as well. You know, that applies to lots of construction projects because an owner is investing a great deal of their resources into something new. And by its very nature, it's very exciting to be part of that. And as a project manager, you get to see it firsthand. So, you know, the the second uh, part of that is as a project manager, and I, I'd like to use a music analogy here because I am a musician, um, but it's like the conductor of a band. So, you know, the reference is a meaningful one for me, but if you think about it, uh, a, a musical group, a band is a, a group of professionals skilled at what they do, all operating from the same sheet of music and giving life to a masterpiece. So the conductor doesn't necessarily create the music, but they allow it to unfold. So a project manager is like that. They help orchestrate the work of skilled professionals, carpenters, and electricians, and plumbers, and so on and so forth. And they create something where nothing existed before. So moving into a brand new hospital, knowing what it would operate for decades without shutting down, that's a marvelous thing. And seeing the pride in the community, the ribbon cutting, well, that's something I'll never forget. I actually had the privilege of working with you at the IHA annual meeting several years ago when you brought down a mobile clinic. Can you tell the listeners about that project? Oh, sure. That that was a a very exciting project. You know, at the time, uh, our organization was struggling with patient access. We we just couldn't get people in to see their providers. And there were not enough appointment times and not enough providers. And and we were also dealing with uh, several things in the community, like transportation problems and, you know, people and their jobs and and whatnot. And we had a, a cry from our uh, area, uh, small towns that they wanted, you know, a, a clinic facility in their town. And that's, you know, fairly cost prohibitive uh, to, you know, put one in each town. So we did some brainstorming and um, we saw a, a mobile clinic somewhere along the way. I, th- I think one of our nurses who was in the master's program actually uh, uh, saw it in an article she, she'd read. And so I literally Googled mobile clinic and I, I came up with uh, one in San Francisco and I, I just called the number and I talked to this uh, wonderful lady and they were using the mobile clinic to go out to community centers in the various ethnic neighborhoods around that large metro area. People in some of these, met- in some of these ethnic neighborhoods were afraid to leave their neighborhood to go across town to a medical center or to a clinic. And so to bring healthcare to the people uh, they chose to do the, the mobile thing. And so we started to imagine that as uh, how can we use that to go out to our small communities? And so what really made it work for us is we, we combined the technology of modern cellular to bring the EMR onto the vehicle so that we have the records with us all the time. So if you can break free from the paper, then you can go see patients where they're at and you can take walk-ins because now you can just look up their records. So uh, we were able to partner with Verizon, our local cellular um, uh, provider. And uh, of course we, we found a, a vendor for the truck that was really amazing. And so it went along uh, quite well for about seven years and then uh, COVID came along. And uh, uh, unfortunately COVID has changed everything. And the, currently the vehicle is parked. So when the COVID shutdowns occurred, uh, we were just not seeing any patients. People were not coming in. And, and most 
healthcare organizations experienced uh, some some really strange volume fluctuations. And you know, our volumes uh, in primary care have not yet recovered to pre-pandemic levels. So you know, it's currently not an access problem. So we have uh, continued to leave the vehicle parked for now, and we're monitoring the situation, and we'll see what's next. But uh, for that period of time, it uh, really worked well for us. Well, Montgomery County Memorial Hospital is located in Red Oak, Iowa. If someone's never been to Red Oak, what would you tell them about it? Sure. Red Oak is the county seat of Montgomery County. And like so many communities uh, like that across the state of Iowa, you know, our population is around 5,000. And uh, but uh, we're we're located in the southwest corner of the state, about one hour's drive from the Omaha Metro. So, you know, it's the uh, commercial center of Montgomery County. Uh, lots of folks come to work here. And something notable about, you know, Montgomery County and particularly Red Oak, uh, we had a tremendous amount of industrial strength. We had a, a battery manufacturing plant that made half a million nine volt batteries per day. We had automobile parts manufacturing here. Uh, we still have a hydraulic hose manufacturing plant. But what also kind of fueled that was we were the home base for two industries that held uh, important patents. And went on to be international in scope. Now, the first one is Wilson Concrete Company. Wilson Concrete, I think it was a grandfather of the uh, uh, owner, uh, developed uh, reinforced concrete pipe and uh, got a patent for it, which was quite remarkable, and uh, went on to then make precast. So as you drive down Interstate 80, much of the precast uh, beams that you'll see were manufactured by Wilson Concrete. So that, that firm was headquartered here. And then also uh, the Murphy Calendar Company, which was the uh, founding organization for our hospital back in the in the early 40s. The Murphy Calendar Company developed a patent for artwork placed on a calendar. So, you know, it's pretty common. You pick up a calendar nowadays and it's got a, a picture on it. That very uh, concept was patented right here in Red Oak, Iowa with the Murphy Calendar Company. And so we're real proud of that industrial heritage. We also, uh, something uh, we're working on here in, in the entire Montgomery County area is a fiber optic communication to every single home and business in Montgomery County. And if things go well, uh, we should be able to get that accomplished within five years. And if uh, uh, we can pull it off and uh, no one beats us to it, we'll be the first county in the entire nation to have an, this vital infrastructure to every home and business. Oh, that's amazing. And that's super fascinating about that. I've never heard of that before. The Murphy, you see, it's called the Murphy Calendar Company. Right. The, Mur the Murphy Calendar Company is now, um, you know, defunct. They're gone. Okay. Um, I was going to ask but, if they were still around. Yeah. Uh, they, they were founded back in the late 1800s and went all the way up into uh, the 90s. So, you know, that, that concept of uh, putting a picture on a calendar was patented right here in Red Oak, Iowa. Do you happen to know what the first images were on that first calendar? Yes, our courthouse. So you, you referenced earlier uh, briefly that you're a musician. So as a child or teen, was it did you aspire to be a great musician or what was your career aspirations as a young person? Oh, that's, that's a great question. You know, the, the thought of being a musician when I was uh, young was, was not, not there with me. But, you know, I, I, I did play a lot. My real aspiration was I wanted to continue farming with my father. But as I mentioned earlier, I was the oldest of seven and he had another plan. He said, make your own way in the world, son. I've got six other mouths to feed. 
So I went, I went to a career fair uh, at the local community college, and it was showing several different careers. And, and I thought working with my hands and, and building things was something that was appealing to me. So I went on to attend Iowa Western Community College in Council Bluffs, and they, they had a, a really excellent civil engineering technology program. And of course, the rest is history. But becoming a professional musician, uh, young people back in the 70s uh, dreamed of being rock and roll stars. But I didn't think that was going to work out for me. So I, uh, I, I started working with my hands. And uh, anyway, I did get back into farming for a short bit. I, I mentioned earlier, I was uh, uh, I started the hospital, I, I left and then I, I was invited back. Uh, and during that time, I, I did um, I do some farming. So but I'm really great. Well, I got the call back to MCMH. It's, it's been the joy of my life to work for this organization. Aspiring to be a rock star is uh, every generation. I think I've been there, done that <laughs> myself. So so uh, on your downtime, so what kind of music do you play and you're a musician and what other hobbies do you have? Being a musician is something that um, it has been lifelong. But, you know, I, I enjoy a number of hobbies. I, I've always been curious by nature. And I kind of felt like having just one hobby was probably ultimately boring. So I, I, I end up with lots of hobbies. So my wife and I, we uh, like to ride on two wheels, whether it's motorized or not. And, um, you know, the, the biggest distances happen on the, uh, on our Harley. So we've traveled, I think right now we've logged over 125,000 miles traveling coast to coast. And that is great fun seeing this country on the back of two, on the back of a motorcycle. But I also do uh, woodworking, carving, drawing, gardening, welding, shooting. And, uh, I like to taste a good scotch. So uh, that's, I'll call that a hobby too. As far as your, your musicianship, are you currently in a band or do I look forward to seeing you in a band uh, anytime this summer, either in Red Oak <laughs> or maybe in Des Moines? Here, here's the thing. COVID had an effect on so many things, right? So uh, gatherings with people and, uh, you know, musical events uh, really just stopped happening. So, um, you know, the band that I was in, which was kind of a rock blues band, uh, we played things like, you know, rag bry events and, uh, you know, parties and outdoor venues, street dances. But, uh, you know, when COVID hit uh, a couple of years ago, all that just stopped. So uh, as a matter of fact, in uh, one week's time, the band is getting back together at my house to have their first kind of jam session practice uh, in well over two years. So I'm not sure where we'll go with it, but we're just going to have fun for a day and see what happens. Oh, that's great to hear. Finally, my last question, and I want to thank you again, Ron Claver, CEO of Montgomery County Memorial Hospital, for being on the podcast today. What's a lesson COVID-19 has taught you? Oh, my gosh. You know, uh, I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to split it into two important lessons um, from the entire COVID-19 experience. But the first one is that we live in a very fragile world, and we've got to take great care to avoid catastrophe you know the the public health infrastructure you know really took a beating but you know i have to give so much credit to those folks they worked hard to keep us safe and i'm a student of history and i have you know looked back across you know time and and distance and you know it doesn't take much to come across some real disasters in human history. And, and I think our public health infrastructure helped us to avert a real disaster. So I think, again, it reinforced 
you know, how fragile the world we live in is. And uh, that's important. You know, what we do in healthcare is an extension of the public health infrastructure. So uh, we are part of that infrastructure and we were integral to it. And so that that's one lesson is how important it is and how fragile uh, life is in our world. The second is that healthcare workers are just second to none when it comes to dedication to their cause, their craft, and helping their fellow human beings. I am beyond proud to work alongside of and support amazing people who take care of the sick and dying. It has reinforced the great honor and privilege of the chair I now sit in. And my goal each and every day is to honor them, make sure they have what they need so they can take care of the patients who depend on us. Finally, you know, I, I, I tie those two lessons together. Uh, you know, we're in this together as communities. We've got to support each other. We got to take care of our rural neighbors. You know, I, I live in rural Iowa. I live in the countryside. I'm a, I'm a farm kid. And we really have to take care of each other out here in the rural countryside. Um, we don't have the resources that a lot of our rural, rural urban cousins do. And we've got to work shoulder to shoulder, improve our small communities, help them thrive and prepare for the next generation. So that's kind of, you know, bringing those two lessons together and uh, uh, we, we've got to work together and uh, keep each other safe. Thank you so much, Ron. And I really appreciate your time. I enjoy, I really appreciate the time and the questions. It's been really enjoyable to me. This podcast has been an opportunity to get to know Iowa hospital leaders. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for another episode next month.